Hello and welcome to the Sense of Place podcast. Now in today's episode I'm going to be chatting to Tim Bird, a comic book artist from South London whose work explores the history, mythology and memories contained within our landscape. Now before we get into today's episode I'll give you an overview of some of the things me and Tim discuss. Firstly, why Tim chose to combine psychogeography and place within his comic books. We take a dive into his comic books with a particular focus on his work, The Great North Wood. And then we also look at the legends and myths surrounding The Great North Wood as a place itself. What Tim's process is when it comes to creating his comic books and some of his influences. And finally, a little bit of a detour, we talk about the trauma of shopping in Ikea, among other things. But anyway, so we'll get into today's episode now with Tim and I hope you enjoy it. So when I was sort of coming up with the questions, I was thinking, how could I sort of start the interview? Because I've, you know, I feel like I've got a fair bit I want to ask you, but I suppose the best place to start would be, what was it that made you want to combine the theme of place and psychogeography within comic books? I think maybe they both go back to the same same thing, like the interest in place and the interest in comics. Because uh, when, when I was a kid, I was a really big fan of Tintin books. And they're often like really specifically set in a location. Like um, I think my favourite one was called Tintin in Tibet, and it's really sort of the the visuals of it, like the illustrations are are just really kind of like these big open mountainous like landscapes and things. And I think it really left an impact on me when I was a kid. Um, And it's interesting, sort of reading about that book uh Tintin in Tibet now uh I think Herge who wrote it was going through a big kind of um like a breakup he was breaking up with his wife at the time and he was Catholic and he was feeling like he had these tremendous feelings of guilt and I think um he said drawing these big landscapes was a way of trying to introduce some purity into his life okay yeah so they're these big kind of just really empty white mountainous landscapes yeah quite kind of bleak I guess um and I I, you know, I didn't really appreciate that when I was sort of eight-year-old boy reading these comics but um I think it did it sort of subtly left an impact when you yeah definitely back on it sort of yeah thing. it's left an impact and then kind of going back and reading about it as an adult was um it was interesting to to see that 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 he was kind of processing his um, his feelings in this way through drawing comic. I have to say, um, I'm not stereotypically a comic book reader, so I probably have that. Yeah. <laughs> I I would obviously I know it's naive, but you think oh it's superheroes and stuff like that. So when I read your comic book, it was really eye opening for me because um, yeah, you know I didn't think that sort of style would be a comic book, and I loved it. It was great, and yeah. I really loved the design you did with it and the sort of pastel colours and it's almost like a history story thing going through yeah. it so yeah I think um because I, I think comics are obviously they work really well visually and that's sort of how I think of things so it's it's good to kind of try and communicate ideas visually I think so they're quite different I think reading a comic is quite a different process to reading a book where you've got you know, you sort of have to imagine everything in a book. In a comic, it's much more visual. It's 
probably more similar to TV and film and stuff, kind of presented with these images. So, yes, I just kind of enjoy writing comics, I suppose. Could you tell us what is The Great Northwood about, the the comic that you wrote? Yeah, so it's The the Great Northwood was a a forest that used to cover this big area of uh, southeast London. And over time, it's, you know, been deforested, cut down for uh, various reasons. And so my comic kind of traces the history of of the forest and the rise of the kind of suburban London, but then also kind of delves into little folk tales that arise from different places around the area and kind of explores the ideas of kind of magic in forests, kind of magical uh, folk tales and fairy tales and things. Where was it that you sort of learned about all this, the Great Northwood? Because I was actually from Croydon before and I have to say, that's what also added to the interest to me because I just sort of all these place names like Gypsy Hill and that woman, yeah. I had no idea, you know, really, which is, and I, I feel like I've never particularly found any history about that. Obviously, they don't really talk about it, but maybe they do and I just never yeah. really noticed. Yeah, it's, uh, I live in Sydenham, so I'm, I'm, I live near Sydenham Hill Woods, which is the sort mm. of largest remaining part of what was the Great Northwood. Uh, and so just walking through there, there are signs about the history of the Great Northwood. And also the um, the London Wildlife Trust had an open day one day. They were starting their project about the Great Northwood and their project is aimed to kind of let people know a bit about the history of the area. So it was, yeah, through that that I found out about it. And yeah, it's just, I just found it interesting because w- walking through Sydenham Hill Woods, there are sort of these disused railway lines and you can, there's kind of... Um, uh, old foundations of houses and things and so I, ju- I just sort of wondered a bit about why they were there I suppose and then read up on online and, and stuff and yeah found out that these kind of fragments of woodland that are scattered across southeast London all used to be joined together and yeah we were once quite a, a big big forest. Yeah yeah. Yeah it's interesting you said you're from Croydon because the Great Northwood was named after being north of Croydon because lots of people wonder why it's called the Great Northwood when it's in South London. But I think, yeah, Croydon must have been a significant uh, town or something at the time. That's the thing. I just had no idea because obviously, you know, Croydon, it's so built up and concrete and all that brutalist architecture and stuff. It feels like there's no sort of... Yeah. I, I mean, if you go a bit out, you know, you have... Yeah, I like this contrast... Um, I like to sort of imagine the contrast of, uh, yeah, kind of built-up modern suburban London or Croydon and, and places with this um, kind of magical ancient forest. I think it's quite, you know, you come up with these interesting images with having these magical uh, fairy tales kind of set in, you know, modern Croydon. I think it's quite, it, it's quite funny in a way. Yeah, no, I did like that when you sort of go, when you go through the comic and you gradually, it's kind of like the layers building on top of each other as the years go by. And yeah, it's just yeah. so hard to imagine it back how it would have been just the way, because of the way it is now. So yeah, yeah, no, it was, yeah, really interesting. I did want to ask you as well, why, because you obviously have the fox that leads you through the comic book. What made you pick a fox? 
for that. Um, I think that's to do with that contrast of uh, sort of ancient and modern as well. Like you could um, equally see a fox in kind of ancient ancient forests as you could in in modern suburban London. I mean, you get problems with urban foxes. So I thought it was quite it tied those two time periods together quite nicely. I thought. Yeah, no, it does. I, and also the the old chicken box bang oh, on the yeah, first yeah. page that just sums it up, doesn't and it? That, Spot that on. Is, um, yeah, what you what you see around South London quite a lot foxes rummaging through the rubbish and eating the the chicken and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And I I think also the fox kind of ties together that uh, reality with the fairy tale kind of you know the folklore uh, of forests that I I was thinking about when I was writing the book. Because it's, uh, I think if you'd had a person kind of narrating the comic, maybe that would have set it too much in in sort of a real, in in reality, in like a real world. Yeah, no, I I the fox. I thought that was a a nice yeah. touch because it was. I, I get what you mean because the fox can kind of go through today's world and the past, and they're just always there, aren't they, foxes? Yeah, it jumps about in time a lot. Really, the comic from kind of you know, well, from sort of Ice Age Britain to kind of post-apocalyptic London. So it really spans a big length of time. Uh, and so, yeah, having this this fox is sort of a blank canvas that can cover all all timescales in a way, I suppose. Yeah, even when I was uh, reading that as well, I was thinking, obviously, because I was from that area, I was like, if I was younger and I'd have seen that comic, I would have loved it. I almost feel like the schools around the area should have it because it's just, yeah, you know, you learn about the area and visually as well. And it's, yeah, just really interesting. Yeah, it has been quite quite popular with kids, which I'm really pleased about. And yeah, I, I did, I wanted to make it kind of a factual and sort of um, not necessarily educational, but um, I suppose rather than having it f- factual, I just I didn't want to have things that were wrong in it. If that makes sense, I was just quite wary that a lot of people who read this probably know a lot more than I do about kind of local history and things. So I, <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to make sure you know people didn't read it and go, "No, it wasn't like that. You've got it all wrong." So. Yeah, so hopefully if kids read it, they might learn a bit about about where they live. I feel like it's you're learning stuff, but it's not too intense as well. It's just quite a nice journey you follow. Yeah, the, the idea of it being a journey is um, kind of what I wanted to do, like progressing through, I guess, through time and then also through the place. So it is, yeah, a journey through South London. Yeah, so I know you have some other comic books do they also follow the themes of place and psychogeography in them or yeah some do and some don't i've just recently finished a um, comic that i self-published which is called asleep in the back and that's about uh, falling asleep in the back of a car uh, as a kid on long motorway journeys so that's sort of about it's about motorways so not so much about a specific place but definitely about that feeling of remembering a place i suppose like the the motorway journey and I, i've tried to make that comic a bit about more of a sort of universal thing so i feel like lots of people would be able to relate to this um feeling of driving at night in the back of your parents car and kind of drifting off watching the the street lamps and the car headlights and things 
Yeah, no, um, definitely. Yeah. And then you get the little lights on the side of the road as well and they just flash yeah, your eyes. Yeah, it? so it's quite hypnotic and mesmerizing. Um, so that's kind of based on the journey from my grandparents' house to my the house where I grew up. So it is kind of about a specific place, but uh, I try to make it sort of ambiguous, I suppose, and uh, applicable to anyone who's ever been in a on a motorway. But then some of my other comics are not about place at all. Uh, I did one about Ronnie O'Sullivan, the snooker player, which was just about snooker rather than a place. I do some about uh, music as well, so I'm quite into music. I did a series called Rock and Pop, which was about um, kind of memories of songs. So I'd each I took I took a few songs and wrote a little comic about them and how I felt like that song had left an impact on me. That sounds good. They all sort of, in a way, interlink though with that like yeah. memory aspect of how something makes you feel and links to. I think that's definitely a theme in my my comics is this kind of nostalgia and uh, yeah, growing up seems to be a thing I keep coming back to. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think every everyone does though, don't they? Yeah. Very sort of relatable thing. Don't know about you, but I kind of felt like these sorts of themes. You feel like when you're younger maybe perhaps you're the only person that thinks this and then you obviously realize everybody's having the same sorts of thoughts and yeah yeah definitely and it, yeah it's um it's nice when you can sort of communicate that and be like have you know sort of shared experiences of things that you thought were very personal at the time yeah no definitely we'll go back to the great northwood now I was going to say, would you be able to tell us about some of the tales surrounding that? You know, some of the people you wrote about in in the comic, and mm. where did you find out about this? Was this on the web as well, or a lot of it was online? Yeah, and um, yeah, I suppose I I read a few books as well about uh, about South London. Yeah, I think the first sort of tale I remember reading about was uh, was gypsy hill and how gypsy hill got its name uh, and that was from a woman called margaret finch who was the queen of the gypsies and they lived in uh, gypsy hill well what became known as gypsy hill and um, people would kind of travel from all across london to go and visit her and have their fortunes told and i think it's mentioned in Sam- samuel peep's diary he, his wife goes to visit the norwood gypsies and um, comes back and has had her fortune told and everything. And, uh, yeah, so Margaret Finch was Queen of the Gypsies, and she lived to be 109 years old, I think. Jeez, gosh, that was ripe old age, wasn't it? I was really surprised, because you think of, like, in the olden days, people didn't live that long, but apparently they did. <laughs> no, that's what uh, I was thinking. You think she would have died of some sort of, like, hacking cough or yeah. <laughs> something like that. And uh, the story is that she kind of sat, squat like squatting on the ground doing these fortune telling readings for so long that her joints seized up and she had to be buried in a big square box because she couldn't like be straightened out do you think that's true or like just one of those sort of myth myths it's prob- i think it's probably a bit of a myth to be honest. But, <laughs> yeah uh, she's uh, i think she's buried in the church in beckenham so there's there is like a real grave that you can go and visit oh there and, is uh, yeah now that's another place because I've never actually been to Gypsy Hill, but obviously you know you like drive through it on the train if you're going into London. Yeah, and 
yeah, make makes completely. I love that all the like place names and they've all got that link. Yeah, there's so many places once you start looking around South London that relate back to the uh, Great Northwood. Like there's Forest Hill and Honor Oak, and uh, I think there's like the Kingswood Estate and lots of the road names even are named after kind of trees and woodland. Yeah. Uh, so it's really interesting. Like, and, and there's little fragments of woodland that still exist, like Biggin Hill Woods and Beulah Woods. And, and yeah, e- even kind of just old trees in people's gardens can be traced back to this uh, like ancient woodland. It's really interesting. Yeah, no, it really is. Um, after reading that, it kind of made me want to look more into it because, like I say, I just yeah. uh, didn't really have any idea about that because normally places – with that sort of history they sort of advertise it more i suppose yeah it is um it's quite unusual that they don't i think i mentioned before the london wildlife trust are really trying to to promote it mm. well they're going to have a, a festival in the in the summer the great northwood festival so um i can't remember the date of it but that that should be good and i, I imagine there'll be you know information they'll be trying to promote information about the local history and things like that yeah that's the thing people love it people love finding out these little things so yeah they do i mean the book's been really popular which has been great and um, i was at the crystal palace uh, uh festival last weekend selling it and um yeah loads of people were really interested just because when it's you know it's literally on the doorstep but yeah as you say not many people seem to know that much about it yeah, yeah. How did you actually like get into writing comic books? Is that something you've wanted to do all along or? Yeah, it's um it's sort of a hobby really. I, I don't I don't make tons of money from doing it. So uh, it's just something I enjoy doing and I I suppose I started off just doing kind of one page comic books or comic strips even that I would put on online on Twitter and stuff. And then over time, just I've started doing longer and longer things. And yeah, I, I guess it was fortunate that some of my friends wanted to start up uh, comic book publishers around the same time that I was get, getting into drawing them. So they, they're called Avery Hill Publishing. And they've been really good. They've published uh, a few of my comics now. Yeah, that, that worked out and, quite well um, then. <laughs> It did work out well, and and they've gone from strength to strength. They've like they've not not exactly an established publisher, but in the comic book world, they're they're doing all right. They seem to focus. they well, from what I've seen, there's the the people they publish. It does seem to focus a lot on sort of place and stuff. The themes. Yeah, so they just published um, Claire Scully's book, um, uh, Desolation Wilderness, which is really interesting i don't know if you call it a comic because they're each page is sort of a single image but uh that that kind of feeds into that nostalgia as well because when i was reading it i felt like it was like it's not a i think it is a real place maybe but when you're reading the book it kind of makes you feel like you've been there uh even though you can't quite place where it is so it's that kind of nostalgia for a place that you've forgotten about I found it really interesting. Yeah, no, it was, no, it was good, and yeah, and sort of when you look through it, it just 
I sort of interpret it as like the same scene getting like closer and closer and further and further in. Uh, yeah. So, yeah. yeah, no, it was good. Are you working on anything else at the minute or? So, yeah, I just finished this little comic called Asleep in the Back and I'm... Oh, that's the, the motorway The motorway one, one, yeah. And so now I'm going to try and work on another sort of short comic, again, about sort of revisiting a town where I um, where I grew up uh, near Sheffield. Um, so that's kind of a, a, probably similar themes of nostalgia and childhood and kind of missing the past and stuff. I don't know. But I'd like <laughs> yeah. to try and work on another kind of longer graphic novel type thing but um just trying to work out some ideas at the minute I feel like I'm not quite not quite sure where I'm going with that so the great the great northwood that's your longest one isn't it yeah yeah I find it just takes so long really that it's it's quite hard to do really long uh things because I, I yeah I, as I said I did do it as a hobby really so it's fitting it in around other things like real life how long does it take then to sort of like draw the stuff I don't really have any sort of knowledge of that sort of thing I think with the drawing I I try and do a a page a day but often I'm not working on it every day and then I suppose the writing of it took a, um, a while as well so overall I it's one of those things like the idea for it I had the idea for it quite a while ago and didn't really do that much with it, but I would write little bits. And so it came together really slowly, probably over a, a year or two, maybe, from the initial idea to the finished book. Yeah, so it's quite a little while to get it, get it all together then. Yeah, but then I feel like if I'd, you know, just been able to focus on it and I could just sit down and do it all the time, I could probably have done it quite quickly yeah so I, i'm hoping when my my son starts going to nursery full-time i'll be able to focus on a new comic uh and spend a bit more time doing it and try and get into you know try and build up a bit more momentum so i think it's hard when you're just doing something in the evenings and you you're not doing it every day you just have to try and trying to pick up where you left off the last time you did it it can be quite tricky, I think. Yeah, I know what you mean. Because if you keep going, you've got that flow, and then when yeah, you come exactly, back to it, yeah. you're like, "What was I doing before?" Yeah. Sort of got to pick it up again. So you've got you've got the whole childcare thing in the way. Of the- yeah. So that, that's my main thing at the minute. Is I'm a stay at home dad. I've got two kids. Um, one's at school, and one just goes to nursery a couple of days a week. So yeah, trying to fit in some drawing time around that. So. I'm just finding it a bit tricky at the minute, but hopefully soon we'll be able to crack on with something new. No, I'm sure you'll. And like you say, when they end up sort of getting off to nursery. Yeah, yeah, it just frees up so much time. So. Yeah. One of your comics did win an award. What oh, was that yeah. one about? Um, so that was, I think, in 2012, maybe. It's a little while ago now. Um, it was called Grey Area from the City to the Sea. So I had this series that I called Grey Area, and there was about four or five comics, and they were all about kind of places as well. But from the city to the sea, uh, it won Best Comic at the British Comic Awards, 
and it was about the the comic was about following the Thames from the city to the through the estuary Thames estuary to the sea, and it was it kind of based on a like a real journey I took, but I feel like maybe I was cheating a bit with the sort of psychogeography because a lot of it was just made up, but it it kind of follows the the idea of the river running out from the city to the sea. We go through um, London, kind of following the train line, I suppose, like the district line, maybe, and then um, out through the suburbs uh, around um, Purfleet and those places to the Thames Estuary. And, yeah, I I remember visiting the Thames Estuary and finding it just a really sort of intriguing place. Uh, You've got all those big kind of Second World War forts off the coast that you can just about see on a clear day. and They're just kind of really eerie. I've not been there myself, Um, so. Yeah. They're these kind of big, I guess they're iron, um, like anti-aircraft gun placements, I suppose, is probably what they are. Uh, But they've all rusted now and... But they're still standing there like these big tripods on the you can just see them on the horizon. They're really weird. And then there's lots of kind of wind farms. And it's uh, yeah, the, the sort of sound of the place is really interesting because it's just it's it's quite empty and you know, you've got the wind coming in off the sea. And, Sounds uh, kinda eerie. Yeah, it's quite a strange place. Well you've done pretty well. You got for a hobby the best comic <laughs> like you must have yeah. been really pleased with that one <laughs> yeah. i was so surprised because it was the other comics like that were nominated for the award were all you know kind of superhero things and sort of successful like people who do it as a job and stuff so <laughs> <laughs> it was just so, so odd to be nominated for it and then to win it it was just i was so shocked yeah maybe that's why though because it's something different you know I think it was just so different from everything else, yeah. Yeah, because like I said, I just had that stereotype of, oh, comic books are superhero things. and Yeah, I think that's maybe a bit of a a problem that the comics world finds itself in at the minute. It's it's hard to to kind of tell people who don't know about comics that there's some really interesting stuff out there, but it's just hard to find out about it. Because not, not many bookshops sell the the weirdest stuff. Yeah, you have to go into special shops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, what what is your sort of perspective on psychogeography? Because I know some people are like, oh, get that away! I hate it. I'm sick of the yeah. of it all. And obviously, nowadays it's pretty much a label that encompasses anything to do with place. And were you influenced by that, or did or was this just all off of your own sort of thoughts and? Oh no! I definitely was influenced by it. I think I think it is useful to have that label, just because it, it is quite. Um, I suppose it's become quite a well understood label, so people do kind of know what kind of thing to expect if if it's called a psychogeography comic. So I'm quite. I'm, I don't mind if people say that, but. Yeah, like I said before, I do sort of cheat with it. I don't. I don't always kind of walk around places thinking really hard about how it's making me feel. And stuff. <laughs> yeah. I often just look on Google Maps and think, "Yeah, that looks interesting." <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you, you uh, just do it from a computer. Yeah, yeah. So uh, I probably 
uh, probably not sure I'd be accepted by like the Ian Sinclair type psychogeographers who are like, you must walk all the time and be on the streets thinking about walk things. Walk till your feet are bleeding. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and, you, and you've bought every little thing you can. Yeah. And in fact, in the comic I'm working on at the minute, I do make a point of like being honest about like I'm using Google Earth to to explore <laughs> the place where I grew up. I'm not. I did. I have actually been back there recently and walked around, but a lot of this kind of nostalgia I was feeling about it was just by looking at my old house and stuff on on Google Street View and thinking, oh, it's changed, and like, and then yeah. yeah. So yeah, I, psychogeography is an interesting thing, but I'm not sure I'm, I'm you know, a hardcore psychogeographer. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm a bit of a lazy yeah. one. You're like a, a an armchair psychogeographer. Yeah, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah, might catch on. Who knows? Yeah, but yeah, that, those the, like Ian Sinclair books and that kind of thing did uh, influence me, and I, I I've read some of them and. Yeah, they've obviously been a, had an impact on on the stuff I want to write about, and also films as well. Like I, I really like the Patrick Keeler films, uh, London and um, Robinson in Space. Oh, uh, yeah, no, I've heard of them. I've not yeah. seen them though. Um, but... And I think that's, you know, I was saying like comics are quite a visual thing, um, so I think maybe the like those sort of films have been quite influential on me as well. And especially those films, the way they're shot, they're really kind of still, the camera's really still, and then you just have a narration over over the image. Um, and so I think maybe I've tried, I try to do my comics a bit like that. So I just have a, a panel with a landscape in, and then I'll have a bit of narration over that. So Where could you even watch those films? I did one time, I, I tried to find them online, but I said, do you have to look at them at the British Film thing in london yeah that's where i saw them yeah i went they have this place called the media tech at the um yeah british film institute on the south bank which is great you can you you go there and you sit by a computer and you can watch all their like archival films and stuff so if you can oh, get great. there it's great but if you if you can't they're quite i'm not sure how you'd watch it really hopefully they'll put all their archives online but um I imagine that's that's copyright issues and stuff like that. Yeah, no, maybe they'd have something online. I mean, I'm not in London. I'm living in Ireland at the moment, but I mean, I will be back uh, over there yeah. next year. So, uh, yeah, head down and uh, yeah, I'd like to watch that because I do hear about that film and people have said things like it's influenced them, and um, yeah, I'd be interested to see it. Yeah, film-wise, that's the one that always comes up, sort of alongside the books of Ian Sinclair and Will Self and all of them. So yeah, yeah, I imagine you can buy the DVD of it somewhere, but I don't know to be honest. Yeah. So when you got your influence from that, did the did the comic follow, or was that something you'd already sort of been thinking of doing comics? Yeah, I suppose the when I first started doing comics. I did kind of little diary comics. They were just kind of yeah, sort of one page about, uh, I don't know, a day in my life. I'd just pick an event and draw it. And that just seemed like an easy way of mm. sort of practicing drawing without having to think too much about like writing a plot and stuff. And then, yeah, when I sort of started reading the 
psychogeography books and seeing the films, I just felt like it'd be nice if there were some comics that did that kind of thing too. Um, and so my first attempt at doing that was the first of the Grey Area series. I did a comic called While the City Sleeps, which was about London at night time. And there was a little bit in that about um, like the people who work on the tube at night. Um, I was really influenced by uh, some of the British transport films that I also watched at the Mediatek in London. And there was a film there called The Heart of the Angel, which followed um, like a day in the life of Angel Tube Station. And at night they have these people who get in between the tracks and kind of clean all the fluff out from them. I think they're called fluffers, the people who clean clean the tracks. So there's a bit about that and then kind of, London nightlife. It was about, it was, um, I think it was an exhibition at the Museum of London about Charles Dickens. And they, someone had made a film, again, sort of watching films uh, about his Night Walks book. And it was kind of a modern update on Charles Dickens' Night Walks. And that, that was influenced me to kind of write a little comic about nighttime did you actually go out in london at night for this or did you Uh, did you do your old google (laughs) yeah and sort of no more than i would normally go out at night but it would be good if you could have a a google maps kind of night filter and go around (laughs) seeing the nightlife of london well it's getting really there's so much on it now because you can even sometimes walk in see inside shops now on um I noticed yeah, that the yeah. other day because I was looking for somewhere to go and eat and I was like, oh, I'm inside the cafe. Yeah. And, and you can scroll back through previous um, versions of it. So I guess they must have like photographed some streets several times now and you can kind of see how places have changed. Oh, really? I didn't actually know that. Yeah. And I can't remember when I was looking at that, but um, I guess they've been doing it at least five years now so some places have changed quite a bit oh that's pretty cool in some ways that's that's quite handy it's kind of recording the changes of places just before us already isn't it yeah um and i like it kind of visually like when you get the distorted buildings and things i think that's really it's quite nice it's not perfect i suppose yeah yeah when you were sort of saying the comic that you're writing and you went back to where you lived just once, I was going to say, do you ever feel like, oh, I wish I never went back because it looks nothing how I remember it? Because mm. I get like that, actually. Some places I think, well, for example, my godmother, actually, she's moved out of her house and I ne- like I have a lot of memories of that. And I never, yeah. since she's left it and moved, I have, haven't been back to it. And I kind of don't want to because I just almost want to think, it's how it was and you know I think if I went I'd be like oh it's so it's completely different like other people are living there and yeah I do, I do think that yeah and and I think it's interesting that places are rarely how you imagine them or remember them yeah even sort of places that you visit recently you, you sort of have a way of remembering a place that's mm. I guess idealized maybe or Perhaps you just remember you just remember certain details to make it easier to process, perhaps. And so when you when you are in a place, it's um, a different experience, I suppose. Yeah, I, I feel like uh, a lot of the time you tend to remember. 
I know obviously you have bad memories of places, but the good ones, mm. it's always like a sunny day or something. <laughs> like yeah, you remember like the highlighted best parts of it. Yeah, and you're remembering events as much as the place. Oh yeah, so no, that's definitely true, isn't it? Yeah. You have a, a a story or something associated with a place. And it's it's yeah, difficult to separate the two. Yeah. Um Yeah, so yeah, when I did revisit this this place where I was where I grew up, it it did on the one hand it felt very different, but on the other hand it was like eerily um familiar. Mm. Like it, even though, because it's been, I don't know, twenty five years, I suppose, since I moved. But since, because my family moved out of there when I was fairly young, anyway, so it was like really sort of childhood memories. But it it was striking how much I remembered, and uh, yeah, it just felt like I guess like going home, maybe. But, um, I just it felt like I knew it. Mm. A funny thing was actually, um, I. Because obviously I'd, I'm not around Croydon anymore, but I've, I've been back probably end of last year. But I actually, interestingly enough, with that place, I wasn't like, oh, I wish it had was yeah. kind of thing. I feel like it's better now because they've built it up and there's a lot more stuff to do there. And it, so that was one place I didn't sort of get nostalgic about. Like oh, I wish it was how it was. I was like, this is greatly improved from my memory yeah. of this. Uh, that's interesting. It's um, Croydon always seems to get a bit of an unfair. A bit of an unfair reputation, I suppose. Yeah, so, no, it's really got. A, I think it was after the riots, wasn't it? It seemed to get a really bad reputation. Yeah, I I don't go there a lot, um, but I I've been a few times to the big IKEA and stuff. Oh, yeah. so that's kind of my um, main knowledge, and that's always been quite a hideous experience. But I don't think that's because it's Croydon. I think that's just because it's IKEA. Oh my god, yeah! Isn't it just like the, you can't get out of IKEA? That's yeah, the other people, thing. I think people go there for sort of a weekend day out, and go and have their lunch, and then buy some candles. <laughs> I know. My friend actually, I hadn't been to IKEA in a very, very long time. Like I could could barely even remember it, and um, they were like, "We're going to IKEA, so you can try the meatballs and." I I thought they were oh, good, yeah. but at the same time, I just also it's kind of like people go go through this torturous experience to have meatballs. Like, yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> I, I suppose if you love shopping, then you'd enjoy it, but uh, no, it's quite an experience. <laughs> yeah, it's yeah. just because you have to follow like the route around the shop. You can't just browse through where you want to go. And because everyone's kind of following the same route, it just feels like you're on this sort of treadmill treadmill of soft furnishings, like endlessly. Oh no! And then they and they leave all the li- like. If you just wanted to get like you said candles or something, they're always yeah. at the end. <laughs> like all that yeah. stuff, it's right at the end. So you have to go through all the furniture and the couches. Yeah. And- I remember when I w- first moved in with my girlfriend, we went to IKEA. I guess for. I don't know, maybe for some furniture or something. But because you're walking through all these kind of, they've built all the rooms, you know, like, you know, kind of aspirational living. You know, you want to live in a room like this. And we were kind of just planning out our our whole lives. Like, when we're older, we'll have a bedroom that looks like this. With, uh, it worked then. It did, yeah. yeah. It worked. You were like, we want this and this. It's just so, like, I don't know, such a strange shop. I did. I remember reading 
a surprising statistic, but I can't remember what it is, so that's not very helpful. But a, a lot of people sleep in IKEA beds. Yeah, I'm not surprised. They're so cheap, uh, aren't they? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And yeah. all the underbed storage and oh, yeah, so useful. Exactly. Anyway, yeah. we kind of took <laughs> took a detour from the Great Northwood to IKEA there. So yeah. <laughs> Although, yeah, I suppose Croydon is uh, where it all began. Yeah, no, I know that that's it yeah. now, isn't it? It was all lovely <laughs> forest, and now yeah, and now it's uh, I, yeah. <laughs> people buying candles. Don't, lots of the buildings in Croydon are named after like space and stuff, aren't they? There's like Apollo yeah, House yeah. and um, the Fifty P Building. That was the uh, building you put in the picture of Croydon, was it? By East Croydon Station. Yeah. Hexagonal. That building they used it in a black that Black Mirror episode yeah. as well recently. Oh right. Um, yeah, and they filmed on George's right. Walk and that was pretty cool. To be honest, when you see where you live and it's on the telly or something, you still get all like, Oh there, I know that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> anyway, so in terms of you know the comics you're working on at the minute, are they out anytime soon or is it like a little way off or Oh yeah, Asleep in the Back is out. So I've I've self published that one. Um, so you can just buy it on on my website and, but the one I'm working on at the minute but I'm still sort of writing it so I haven't even started drawing it yet so that will be a little way off but the idea is sort of doing a few short things will hopefully kickstart an idea for a, another bigger project so I guess hopefully I'll be able to start working on a something bigger maybe next year or something so, and then hopefully publish that through Avery Hill Publishing again. We'll see if they like it. No, I'll, I'll definitely check out um, the other one that sounds in the motorway one. Like you say, that's just sort of a very um, relatable, everybody probably yeah. has had that experience of sort of falling asleep yeah. and you're just, all the lights flickering by as you're driving. Yeah, yeah. that, that was the idea was that it would be something sort of a blank canvas that anyone could kind of put themselves in into that situation yeah yeah do you have any social media you want to put out there that people can find you on or my website is uh www.timothybird.co.uk and i i'm trying not to use twitter as much as i used to but i do have a twitter account which is t underscore j underscore bird everyone seems to sort of um veer from twitter a little bit now <laughs> they're like mm, well i'm i it, use I it but not it, that much <laughs> yeah i find it quite depressing when just sort of the the content of it is always just quite angry but also the sort of addictive nature of it like i i deleted the app off my phone cuz i just found that i was scrolling endlessly through twitter and not really taking any of it in just kind of going down and down and down and just seeing endless arguing so yeah just try and look at it look at it on the computer occasionally yeah i have to say as well actually obviously i'm still kind of new to, to twitter with this podcast and stuff at first when I joined, I was like, this is great. I'm reading all this stuff I'm interested in. And then somehow now I have so I get what people yeah. say. I've delved. You go on and it's all this hate and drama and politics. And you're like, oh, God. Yeah. It definitely seems to be like post-Brexit, just people are venting their anger. And it's just even if you follow only follow a few accounts and things, you just seem to 
to get it all the time. No, you do. It's funny, people get confident on the internet. I think I'm not. I don't think I could sort of burst my opinion on that. I'd be more, I I feel nervous about doing that. Oh, yeah. They say it's something to hide behind, but it's like there's millions of yeah, hundreds of people that will read this, you know. Yeah, and once it's there, like, you can't, well, I suppose you can delete it, but once people have seen it, you have to stick by your, your arguments and be prepared to have people arguing back at you. So, you know, I don't really like it. No, exactly. And that's the other thing. You can just scre- you can screenshot yeah, now. Exactly. So there's yeah. no escaping yeah. that. People will just screenshot you and <laughs> you're, the thing you said is like forever there. Yeah, you can't change your mind. You've said it. <laughs> well, thanks for talking to me anyway. And I really, really like the comic. And like I say, it opened my eyes because I was kind of one of those people that just thought, oh, comics are superhero things. And yeah. Yeah, there's some. There are uh, quite a few interesting comics about place. Oh, are there? Yeah. Yes, I just mentioned Claire Scully's one, but I think it'd be worth looking at Oliver East's comics. Uh, his yeah. comics are really interesting as well. Yeah, and I'll I'll check those out as well. Then you've just hit the sort of jackpot here. You've done two things that I've never seen together, and it works really well. Yeah. Thanks for chatting to me, and you know, I hope all goes well with you and you get time to work on the new stuff yeah cool thank you well thanks for having me on the on the podcast so there we have it thanks very much for tuning into today's episode and if you like the sound of tim's work don't forget to check out his website where you'll be able to find all the comics he's written thus far and now for the usual podcast spiel if you're enjoying it don't forget to subscribe wherever you're listening and if you want to go the extra mile please leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. I'd really appreciate it. Other than that, that's all from me for now, and I'll speak to you again in two weeks.